0: Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching, emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse verse 19. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is not the message I intended to preach on July 4th weekend. I intended to preach a totally different message, but the Lord changed my heart. It's very, I'll be honest with you, it's very, very rare that the Lord changes my heart about a message. I usually get, maybe I'm just that bullheaded or something. I just, this is what I'm going to preach. That's the way it is. But the Lord changed my heart. And I, I, I hope I'm following the Lord's will with this, but I really believe He changed my heart and me to preach this message. It's not a feel good message. This message is not a feel good message. It's definitely not a message you'd want to be preaching on July 4th weekend, but it's a message that's true. Look at verse 19. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 19. And this daughter in law, Phineas, Phineas' wife was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod saying the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. So verse 22, and she said, the glory is departed from Israel. This morning I want to preach a message on um, the glory has departed from America. The glory has departed from America. We need to look at this story here, and as we look through this story this morning, we're going to look at all the steps of what it took for the glory to depart from Israel. Now, like I said, it's not, for being a 4th of July weekend, it's not a very good message to preach on 4th of July, because it doesn't sound very patriotic. But the truth is, the glory has departed from America. But we need to look at this story, and look at the history of this story, And this will tell us what's going on in America, and this will tell us why the glory of the Lord has departed America. And see what maybe we can do to change these things. Look back at let's go all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. And let's look at this because we need to see what led to this woman naming her child Ichabod. The glory is departed. Ichabod means the glory is departed. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. So we need to go back and see what it was her husband doing? What was her father-in-law doing? What was her brother-in-law doing? What were all these people doing that caused the Lord to depart Israel? Now you've got to understand the story of Eli, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli, Hopme and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli were priests. They were religious leaders of that time. And you've got to understand she was married to a priest, what we call a pastor of today. And her father-in-law was a pastor and her brother was a pa- brother-in-law was a pastor. So her whole family were pastors. They were, running, they were basically running the church of God through Israel. Look at verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Bilal. They knew not the Lord. These were religious leaders and they knew not the Lord. The Bible says they were sons of Bilal. What does that mean? Bilal is another word for like the devil. They were sons of the devil. Running the church. run in Running the temple. And the Bible's about to describe what they were doing, but it says they knew not the Lord. These are guys that, they were in church, they were preaching in the church, they were part of the church, they were a big part of the church, but the Bible says, and God says, they knew not the Lord. Remember the verses in Matthew when uh, Jesus Christ says, those that come to me and they say, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And Jesus Christ turns to them and says, I never knew you. That should wake you up. There were people in the church that were part of the church that didn't know the Lord. They knew not the Lord. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Eli. They knew not the Lord. This is what they were doing. And the priest's custom with, that, with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it in the, into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh to all the priests that came thither. Also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. So God had a certain plan of how he wanted to do and how he wanted the priest to do it. But these priests were doing it a different way. And if any man, verse 16, if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as they should desire." That's what they would say to him. They'd say, hey, well, just do it the way God wants us to do it. This is what they would say. Then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it me now. And if not, I will take it by force. (laughs) These priests were wicked. These religious leaders were wicked. And here's the problem they were running into. Not only did they not know God, they were doing it, they were not doing it God's way. They were doing it their own way. And the problem we have with Americans with Christianity in America is, not only do we have corrupt preachers, corrupt pastors, preachers in the church, preachers, I'm not talking about Christians, but a lot of preachers that don't know the Lord, they're not following a biblical example. They're not following God's word. God has a certain way of doing it and you got to go by God's authority. What's God's authority? It's the word of God. It's the Bible. How many preachers out here, that get up and they don't even open up a Bible anymore. Or they open up one little verse And they use that, and they run, and it's a totally different psychology type of thing on whatever they want to believe, what they want you to believe. It's just whatever it is on a whim. They're teaching what they believe on a whim. They don't know the Lord. They do not what the Bible says. They do what they think is right, what they think in their heart is right, and they've stopped following the biblical example. There's a real, real danger, guys, in getting away from the Bible authority. And what the Bible says and start doing it your own way. Amen. God didn't just waste His time getting this book into your hands. Men and women bled for this book. This book is powerful and sharpening any two-edged sword. Y'all know the, what the Bible says about its own words, about God's words, and to take God's words lightly like these priests and religious leaders were doing and just to say, well, we'll just do it our own way and we'll take them by force was a real sin. Look at verse 17. Wherefore... The sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. These people, not only religious people, it says their sin was very great. We're not talking about people trying to live a Christian life and not doing things right sometimes. Amen? Amen. That's what we, we're dealing with. We're, that's what we deal with on a daily basis. We're sinners. We're trying to live the right kind of life. We're trying to let the Lord do it through us. And sometimes things don't work out. And we know that. And we have to ask the Lord to forgive us. That's not these kind of people. These religious leaders... They had no repentance towards God. They didn't care what they were doing was wrong. They didn't care what God thought about what they were doing was wrong. Does that not sound like some of the church is going on today? Yeah. yeah, it does. They were so wicked. Look what it happened in verse 17. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. What does that mean? It means men stopped wanting to come to church. The religious leaders of that time... These two sons were so wicked and were doing things so wickedly, they started looking bad on the church. Guys, that's what's going on today with America. I try to invite people to church. I try to, I, I, I'm in Brownwood. I try to invite people to people to go, well, You need to go to church. You're going to church anywhere. And they'll say, I don't want to go to church. I don't like the churches here. And I talked to one guy, and he said, I was in this church. I know exactly what church is talking about. He said, I was in this church. And I go in there, and they're all so fake. And they meet you at the door, and it's, it's just fake. And they just want your money. And they wait, it's just so fake. You don't think the world can't pick up on that? Yeah, the world picks up on that. And it's the religious leaders of, that's been going on for years and years and years in America is ruining the churches. The problem with American America and the glory of the Lord leaving America is not the wicked people in America. It's the churches. It's the Christians. Amen. The glory of the Lord is going to leave Israel not because of the heathen living in Israel. The glory of the Lord is going to leave Israel because of the religious people in Israel. It should wake you up. It should wake you up. Look at, look at, look at verse 22. This story, all this story is based around Samuel, and I'm skipping some stuff that have to do with Samuel, for time's sake. But look down, at verse 22. Now, Eli, Eli, was very old, and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They not only were they not only were wicked with the way they were doing the religious services, they were fornicating with the women and committing adultery. At the door of the, at the, of the tabernacle. Sex and fornication in the church. That's going on in the churches. Fornication and sex and homosexuality. In the churches. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons had done unto all Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear you here. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. So the dad's starting to get onto the sons. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Nobody. And there's one thing for me to sin against you, then we go before a judge. But man, when you start sinning against the Lord, you're in big time trouble. You don't have anybody who's going to be able to help you out if you don't have Jesus Christ. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. The Lord's going to kill them. And you're about to see this happen. The Lord's about to kill them. They had no repentance at the rebuking of the word of God. Whenever somebody's trying to correct them, when somebody's trying to say, hey, this thing, the way we're doing things, this is not right, this is evil, this is not the way the Lord would want to do it. They had no repentance, they, had no, you, they couldn't take rebuke, they didn't care about anything but what was going on in their life and what they could do and to make themselves happy. Do you see everything they're doing is for pleasure? Do you understand that? Everything the sons of Eli was doing wasn't for God, it was for their own pleasure. God wants me to wait to take this meat and do it to serve. No, I want to eat the meat now. Give it to me now. And if you don't give me the meat now, I'm going to take it by force. (laughs) And then, of course, the sexual sin they were doing at the door of the tabernacle. All for pleasure. -pleasure, Self-pleasure. Self-pleasure. The problem with the American churches is self-pleasure. It's not about what God wants, how God wants us to do it. It's all about pleasing ourselves. What can God do for me? Look at verse 27. Now let's look at the sins of the parents. That's what that's just what the kids were doing. Now let's look at the sins of the parents, which is Eli. There came a man of God unto Eli. So here comes a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. Now he's about to straighten Eli out. And guys, we have preachers that preach. We have guys come through all the time, these different missionaries, different preachers come through over here, and they get behind this pulpit. Man, they can preach. So we have men of God that God has sent that's using the Word of God to preach. But who's listening? The parents aren't listening. And if the parents aren't listening, the kids aren't going to listen. Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when thou wert in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Verse 28. And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? Talking about Aaron. To offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering? He said, did I not call you to do something for me? And then why are you kicking at it? What does it mean by that? Why aren't you just disregarding oh, it so I don't matter? And just it's well, who cares? We got preachers that God has called that forget what the calling was on their life. These young men, I see them, they get called up, they get called by God, and then they get sent off to a seminary, and they're never the same again. They come back from the seminary, and they think it's a job. I've got to go put an application in at this different church. And what can this church pay me? And what can this church do for me? And how much money can I make? And they go up to the seminary, come back, and then it's a job. I told you about when I left Harmony and the, and the, and the brother over there, Harmony come back, he goes, Brother Keegan, you'll never believe this. He called back and told me this. And what's that? He goes, We called this guy in, we he preached, we, we liked what he pre- how he preached. We said, We'd like to call you as our pastor. And that guy said, that that preacher said, I, I don't want to take this job. It'll look bad on my resume. That's a true story. It looked bad on my resume. That's the kind of stuff that's leading to the glory of the Lord departing America. You're kicking at my sacrifice and at my offering. Which I have commanded. Look at this. In my habitation. Now look at the middle of verse 29. And honorest thy sons above me. my thy sons above me. We're honoring our kids above God. It's sports above God. It's Easter egg hunts above resurrection services. as parents in America, we're more concerned, is our kids going to get to go Easter egg hunting than are are my kids going to get to go to the resurrection service? Are my kids going to get to play baseball or are my kids going to get to go to church? How good is my kid going to be in football, baseball, soccer, softball? Or how much is my kid reading the Bible? Then when our kids grow up and they're in all kinds of trouble, and they're not following God, we step back and say, why aren't my kids following God? Well, you didn't raise them to follow God. You raised them as your religion is sports. You're honoring your kids above God. I don't know about y'all, but it drives me crazy. Maybe because I was raised in a different generation. We're living in a generation where the kid tells the parent what to do. I don't want to go there. I I don't want to do that. I don't care what you want to do. Well, my kid don't want to go to that church. Who cares what your kid, make them go. You made your kids brush their teeth. You made your kids take a bath. They didn't want to do that stuff. Make them do the right thing. Well, I want them to make their own decisions. Oh, I don't want to raise my kid. I want them to be able to make their own decisions. If you don't raise your kid, somebody else will. If you don't tell your kid what's right and wrong, somebody else will. And when you get them back, you might not like what they think is right and what they think is wrong. If you don't do a job of raising your kids, somebody else will. I want them to let them make their own choices. They're going to make their own choices, but it ain't the choice you like. Maybe I'm old and maybe I've lived it, but it doesn't work in the end. It doesn't work. I just ran into a girl I know that's a heathen. She named her kid after some kind of Norse god. Out of out of some kind of uh, German mythology, like Thor, they named her kid after some god. And I see her, and, and I see her kid in there, and she's in this business, and her kid has everything tore apart. This, I mean, it shambles. Things are just scattered everywhere. This kid's like three or four years old. I mean, things just just pieces. The the kid's acting like an animal, and then goes behind the counter and just wets himself. Wets all over the floor. And she's like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Let's go over here to the bathroom. Don't do that didn't even rebuke the kid. I'm thinking you wouldn't let a dog act that way. If a dog was acting that way, you'd roll up a piece of paper and slap it on his rear end, wouldn't you? You're honoring your kids above God. you honor honors thy sons above me. Mm. It says, and to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. You're trying to make money off God's people. Are they trying to make money off of you? There's a verse in the Bible says they're making merchandise out of you. they suckered you. they suckered you into buying all their crosses. They've suckered you into buying all their stuff. They're making money off you in the name of God. And where your money's going to all this nonsense, all this stuff to make you feel better, your money should be going to help out some missionaries, going out to help some poor people. That's where your money should be going. And they got you fooled into thinking you should be spending money on yourself. And you're making yourself fat. See what God's saying? See how this goes against everything in our American society? Now, I know it's Fourth of July weekend. I know a lot of people run around, God bless America. But I got a question for you this morning. God bless America for what? What should God be blessing America for? Verse 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The despising God. Why do we live in a country that despises God? To despise God's word, to despise God's people, to despise God's teaching. And don't kid me, they despise God. Some of y'all are just waking up to that. You were fooled by the media thinking that they love Christianity and they're all for Christianity. But as soon as the God's word about homosexuality went against what they thought about homosexuality, they despised it. Amen. And some of your feelings are hurt. You should have seen it coming. You should have seen it coming. Skip to chapter 3. Let's go to verse 11. So God's given a warning to Eli. Through God's word, God sends a messenger to Eli. He gives him a warning. And he says, I'm about to kill you. I'm about to kill your sons. I'm about to get rid of you. That was all at the end of chapter 2. Look at, see, in the chapter 2, just in case you don't believe me, look at the end of chapter 2. This is what God says in verse 34. And this shall be a sign unto you, uh, a sign unto thee, talking about Eli. God says this is to Eli. This will be a sign unto thee. That, that, sh- that shall come upon thy two sons on Hopni, on Hophni, excuse me, and Phineas. And one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest. He said, I'm going to kill both of them. Then I'll raise me up somebody who will serve me. There's a warning. America's been getting warnings from God that you better straighten up. There was no bigger warning than 9-11. We're so proud as Americans, you know, nobody's ever come over here. We've never had to fight on our soil. And we red, white, and blue, dun, dun, dun. And then you had two planes just right into twin tires, drop them down. And it woke a lot of people up. So you look at 16 years later, so where are we at now? We're coddling Islam. We're coddling Islam. We're bringing in Sharia laws. Did we take the warning serious? No. We're more wicked now than we were 16 years ago. Amen. Who would have believed, even 16 years ago, that you'd have such a rampant show of homosexuality with a marriage on TV, through movies, through kids' movies, through kids' books, just shoving it right down your throat. And that doesn't have anything... I'm not even talking about fornication. Sex outside of marriage. So God's going to send a second warning to Eli. And he's going to send it through Samuel. Samuel was a kid that was raised by Eli. And Samuel keeps hearing a voice at night. And this voice is calling out to Samuel. So Samuel goes into Eli and says, "Uh, Yes, Eli. Yes, master. And Eli says, I didn't call you. So Samuel goes and lays back down, and then he hears it again. Samuel. So Samuel gets up and goes to Eli and says, yes, master. And Eli says, I didn't call you. And then Eli realizes, you know what? I think God's speaking to you. So whenever you hear that again, say, uh, speaketh thy servant listen. So Samuel says that to the Lord, and this is what the Lord says in Verse 11. See verse 10, And the Lord came and stood and called at his other time Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Woo-hoo! I'm about to do something that nobody's ever going to forget. Guys, there's something about to happen in America that people are never going to forget. He's coming. And I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom. I'm just trying to be a prophet of reality. A nation cannot live like America lives and expect God not to judge it. Amen. A nation that's full of Christians that claim to that love God and claim to serve God can't keep forgetting God and expect God not to forget them. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Psalm 917. Psalm thirty-three, twelve says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord Amen. and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Proverbs fourteen, thirty-four says, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Amen. Amen. Guys, the Bible warnings are all through the Bible. They're all there. And we think we're going to keep thumbing our nose at God and he's not going to come down and judge us. We got another thing coming. But see, our God is so merciful and so gracious. He gives us warning after warning. Through floods, through all the tribulation going on with the, with the fires, through the weather, through all the stuff, the hurricanes. God is over and over and over again. God controls the weather. You can't get around it. God controls the weather. And when bad things are happening in the weather, you know something bad's happening with God. He's cursing us. Something's going on. And as God takes his hand off America, you can see it coming. So he sends Samuel to warn Eli one more time. Verse 12: In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. Verse 13: For I have told him. I have told him. You can't say you weren't warned. You can laugh at the preachers, you can mock the preachers, you can mock the Bible, you can make fun of God's word, but you can't say you weren't warned. You can't go crying back to God and say, God, I didn't think you were going to do that. I told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. God says, You know about it, you know what you're doing. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Eli, you had a chance to straighten them out, and you wouldn't straighten them out. See, what Eli should have done is called his two sons said, I've been hearing what you've been doing. You've been sleeping with the women in front of the tabernacle. You've been stealing the food. You've been forcefully taking things. You're out. You're done. No more. You're not serving me. But because he loved his sons above God, And see, you know what was going on in Eli's heart? He was proud of his sons. Look at my sons serving God. Look at them, leaders in the community. He didn't have the heart to bring them down, and it would have embarrassed him and his sons. But see, he honored his sons above God. He could have restrained them, but he didn't. In verse 14, And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. There's no sacrifice or offering that's going to clean this mess up. It's done. See, there's a point where you can't, there's no return. And all the tears you want to shed, there's no return. You understand that? There's a point where you can't go back. There's a point. where it's, There's no return. We want to keep, thumb, and then we think at the last we'll just turn around. Okay, God, I'm ready. And God says, no, I was a long time ago done with this. Samuel lay unto the morning, verse 15. Can you imagine little Samuel. How scared he was? God just told him that his master is, going to get, is getting judged. And look what happens with Samuel. Samuel lay into the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Do you blame him? Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? So Eli wants Samuel to tell him. I pray thee, hide it not from me. God, do so to thee. And more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. Yeah, 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 whatever, Eli. You can't handle the truth, Eli. See, we think we want the truth, amen. Tell me what God has for me. Well, you won't know what God has for you. Without Jesus Christ, he has a burning hell. God, 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 don't act that way. No, no, God, yes, God does. If you don't want the truth, don't ask me. That's what God's got for you. Without Jesus Christ, it's a burning hell. That's not how God works. Well, let's see. Verse 18. And Samuel told him every wit. So Samuel tells him. And hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. What an idiot. Whatever the Lord thinks, whatever it seemed good to the Lord, just kind of flip it about it. That's the time that you humble yourself down, Eli, and you repent. Ahab, the Bible says, was the most wicked king that ever existed in Israel. The Bible says that. Most evil, wicked king. God judges Ahab. And what happens to Ahab? He goes and he cries and he humbles himself down before God. And God says to Elijah, go back and tell Ahab, because you humbled yourself down, I'm not going to do it to you. I'll wait and do it just by humbling himself down. If you're in here this morning and you're not right with God, if you'll humble yourself down, God will get right with you. And he'll make it right. But if you're going to keep sticking your chest out and God bless America and everything's okay with us, we don't need no help from God, God's going to just let you walk right into the trap. What seemeth good to him? Well, let's see. What seems good to God? He's going to kill both your sons. He's going to depart from Israel. And then he's going to kill you. That's what seems good to God. Some of y'all don't get that. That's what seems good to God. God wouldn't do that. God is love. You don't understand what you're saying when you say God is love. When you say God is love, what you're saying is God defines love. God tells you what love is and what love isn't. God is good. God defines what good is and what good isn't. Some of you still don't get it. I'll put it in an example that you'll understand in the new religion of America, sports. When you play sports, there's a good, te- there's a team here and there's a team here. They play. When the teams play, there's a winner and there's a loser. The winner says, that's good. And the loser says, that's not good. <laughs> you understand? So God says, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill both your sons, and I'm going to leave this place, and that's good. That's what I think is good. And what does Eli then them think? That's not good. Well, it doesn't matter. God defines good. Amen. He's God. Amen. you understand what I'm saying when I say the word God? Amen. He created you. He has the very breath of your life in His hands and you're scoffing at Him, and you're kicking at Him, and you're doing all this stuff against Him, and you think He's not going to do nothing to you, He can literally snap His fingers and you would die today. And as Americans, as Christians, we forget that. We think God's not there, God's never going to do nothing, God's not watching me, God's never going to judge us. And boy, is it coming. And when we finally get the warning, and some of us get the second warning, some of y'all are still on your first warning. And I hope you repent and humble yourself down. Now, some of y'all, Lord forbid, might be on your second warning. I know America's on its second warning. You might be on your second warning. And God's gracious enough to warn you. Amen? He doesn't have to warn you. He could just come in and... Ooh, ah. But He warned you. And He warned you because He's long-suffering and gracious. And for sure... God forbid, don't act like Eli and say, whatever he thinks is good. You might not like what God thinks is good. You might not. You might not. Let's see what God thinks is good. Look at chapter 4, verse 2. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. When they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew the army in the field, about 4,000 men. So there's a war going on. And the Philistines and Israel are fighting. and, And, of course, Israel loses. They're losing. Verse 3. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Why is that what? What's happening? <laughs> we're losing the war. Why are we losing? See, they don't even get it. Why? Well, look, why? look at the, what they say. Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? They realize the Lord's in the battle. God's in the battle. In other words, God's got control of this. Why is he letting them beat us? Here's their answer. Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. Oh, God, help us. They start crying out to God. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. That's where God dwelled. And the two sons of Eli, Uh uh-oh, that's the last two guys you want to bring in. Hop Phineas Phineas, were with the Ark of the Covenant of the God. Here they come. These two wicked religious leaders. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into in the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. Oh man, they're praising God, shouting to God, singing praises to God. We're back in church. I remember back in 9-11 when the... Twin Towers fell I was at Victory Baptist Church And after the Twin Towers fell And right around uh, Y2K too This was true You know when the year 2000 was about to hit Everybody thought the world was going to come to an end Y'all remember that? Y2K The computers are going to shut down The missiles are going to go off Nobody's going to have water They had all this fear The church was packed The church house was full of people And I'll never forget it For as long as I live Brother Packer took me out And said, Keegan, I going to show you something I said, yes sir He said, come over here I said, yes sir he was my pastor at the time. He goes, I'm going to knock this wall down. And I'm going to build on and add on right here. Because everybody was coming to church. It's so packed out. And then after Y2K, after the, everything, and we realized the world wasn't coming to an end. Amen. The church started dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And then we're right back down to the same people that loved the Lord before the fear came on them. I lived it. I know we want to scream out to God, we want to scream out to God. Look at verse six. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was come unto the camp, and the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come unto the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Man, they're afraid of God. Man, I wish Christians were that afraid of God. Woe unto us. Verse eight. Woe unto us! Who shall deliver us out of the hand of this mighty God? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They heard about this God. They're scared of this God. Why can't we be scared of our God? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Be strong. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. See, the enemies, they know they're going against God. They know they're about to fight against God. But even the enemies say, let's be strong. Let's be like men. Let's quit. Let's stand still. Let's fight. Your enemy's going to keep on fighting, even though he's afraid of God. That's what those verses tell you right there. Let's see what happens. Verse 10. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter. For there fell a... Israel, 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken, and the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were slain. God killed them just like He said He would. They thought God was with them. They were singing, they were shouting, they were in church, they thought God was in the church, they thought they knew the Lord, and the Lord said, They don't know me. Everything they thought was going great. Look at how big the church is. Look at what the church is doing. And God came in and God let them get destroyed. And that had warnings. The glory has departed from America. That's the story of how the glory departed. But the story is not over, guys. Look at verse 12. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent with the earth upon his head. And When he came, lo, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. Oh, they were crying, for; they were so sad. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumbling? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was ninety and eight years old. And his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army. And I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hathnai and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. This old man had lived just long enough to see God kill both his sons and see the glory of the Lord depart Israel. Then he fell down and died. You know one reason why you should be right with God? Why I should be right with God? Because of my kids and my grandkids to come. How must it have broken Eli's heart when he knew how his kids were acting and then it shows up and they said, Your sons are dead. And the glory of the Lord is departed. We need to be right with God so we can make this country great again. I want America great. I mean, don't don't kid yourself. I'm not happy that the Lord has departed from America. I live in this country. I want the Lord to bless this country. Not just for me, guys. Listen to me. Not just for me. I want the Lord to bless this country for my kids. My grandkids. My great grandkids. Maybe I'll never get to see. But man, the way we're living as Christians, God is not going to bless us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much, Father, for your grace and mercy. Lord, it's a sombering thing to see how this country is living, especially us Christians. Lord, I ask you to forgive us. Lord, if we humble ourselves down, Lord God, we know you'll come in and you'll help us. Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, it's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, they never realized that what seemeth good to you is to put them into hell without Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to Speak to the heart right now and let them know there is a way out. There's a way out. And what seemeth good to you, Lord God, is that they come to Jesus Christ and by faith accept Jesus Christ and you'll take them and put them into heaven, Lord God, all through Jesus Christ. And that's what seems good to you, Lord, to do. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your holiness that we don't understand, Lord God. We thank you that you are a holy God and you don't put up with nonsense, Lord God. Lord, thank you for being holy and being so wonderful, Lord God. Lord, help us to understand you as the God of this universe and the God of our lives and that our very life is in your hands, Lord God. Help us to understand that. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me. And he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at indiangapbaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your upon Him.